This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Elizabeth Preston, episode 167, Create Uncompromising Intimacy. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for barrier-breaking women who are ready to shed their good girl layers so they can own their power and live deeply fulfilling lives instead. I'm your host, Lindsay Elizabeth. I'm a leadership coach to women all over the world, and I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire. We must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me and my guests as we challenge you to shed society's bullshit systems and beliefs to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you were meant to be. As you listen, trust your intuition to take what you love and leave the rest. The thoughts and perspectives I share on the show are my own with the lens of my lived experience as a privileged, white, cis, straight, able-bodied woman. And while that informs my experience and perspectives, I wholeheartedly believe living a deeply fulfilling life is possible to every woman. If I ever say anything harmful, I'm open to doing better and hearing your feedback. My goal is for you to leave this show feeling empowered, inspired, and ready to share this show with every woman you know so they too can create a life that lights them the fuck up from the inside. Are you ready to get started? Let's go. Hi there, beautiful soul. Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, I have one of my mastermind sisters. So I'm in a mastermind. It's called Seven Figure Seductress. Our coach is Julia Wells. You can look her up and you might be like, whoo, she's a little bit spicy and she is and that's why we love her. And um, I've met Dr. Alexandra Stockwell, who my guest is today through that mastermind, and we've just clicked, and I've loved getting to know her and everything that she does. Her and I happen to be connecting one-on-one, and as we were talking, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this uncompromising intimacy thing that you've created. She's even written a book about it. And um, I was like, you got to come on the show. And as we started talking deeper, we talked about her being one of my featured guests for my mastermind that's called Living the Dream next year. And so this mastermind, if you don't know about it, it's for all my successful Awakened Woman clients. Um, So anyone who does it one-on-one or it's available in group now and even self-study, once they get through that process and they have really just owns their own being and really done the work in that process, then they get invited to this mastermind. And in this mastermind, we spend a year together getting ongoing coaching, really doing what the mastermind says, which is living the dream, like taking all the tools and the things that I've taught them in the Awakened Woman process and really making sure it's being implemented well. And then I bring in featured guests like Dr. Alexandra, to teach on new subjects. So this past year in the mastermind, we've had um, my coach, Alyssa Hall, come in and do some DEI anti-racism work about like unpacking beauty and success and race and gender and all of those things. And then two, I've had Casey Joy, who I've had on the podcast many times, teaching about embodiment work and really getting them regulated in their nervous systems. And then next year on the podcast, I'm actually going to have Nicole Liano, who does human design work. And so she's going to come in and teach everybody about their human design, which will be a new tool 
to add to their toolbox of all the things that they know about themselves. And then Dr. Alexander is coming in and then Madeline Scipione, who was just on the podcast a few weeks ago talking about RTT. She's going to come in and do some RTT sessions so we can do some hypnosis and really get deep down into some blocks that may still be coming up. I know that's a mouthful I'll have to take in. You may even be like, Ooh, Lindsay, I already worked with you. Why are you telling me all this? But I know people who do this on the podcast are my current clients and those who are in the mastermind. And so I've got to teach them and show them like, Hey, here's what's coming next. Y'all get excited because that mastermind opens every year at the end of July. So get ready y'all. It's coming, it's coming. It's so exciting. But back to today with Dr. Alexandra, she's gonna be talking about, again, uncompromising intimacy, describing what it is. I have her go into detail about her background because as you can see, she is a doctor and she was you know, a traditional doctor in, in many sense. And she has shifted in the past few years to becoming a coach. So a little bit more about her is she is known as the intimacy doctor and she is an intimate marriage expert who specializes in coaching couples to build beautiful, long lasting, passionate relationships. She is the best-selling author of uncompromising intimacy and the host of the intimate marriage podcast for over 20 years. She has shown men and women how to bring pleasure and purpose into all aspects of life from the daily grind of running a household to intimate communication and ecstatic experiences in the bedroom. A wife of 26 years and a mom of four, Dr. Alexandra believes the key to passion, fulfillment, intimacy, and success isn't compromise, it's being unwilling to compromise. Because when both people feel free to be themselves, the relationship becomes juicy, nourishing, and deeply satisfying. So get ready, my friend. She's gonna teach you all about this, I'm just gonna say this term or this concept of uncompromising intimacy. And we dig deep into how you can start to show up in your marriage in a way that feels really good too. And even we talk about if you're the person who's quote, doing the work right now, like working with me or working with somebody else and your partner isn't, how do you handle that? Because this is something I see a lot with my clients and it's been something I may or may not have struggled with in the past and sometimes in the present. So get ready to hear all the things and get ready too. Dr. Alexander's energy is so calming. I told her at the end, I'm like, I love being around you. You're so good for my nervous system. <laughs> She's just, ah, like just so calm. So I hope you enjoy this interview. Without further ado, here she is. Welcome, Dr. Alexandra Stockwell. So excited to have you on the show. Thank um, you. I'm so glad to be here. You know, we've had, I guess, one conversation, just the two of us before, and I'm happy others get to hear the second time. Yeah, me too. I said in our intro that you and I have met through our mastermind, which has been so much fun to get you to know you through that. And as we connected, I was like, oh my gosh, you have to come on the podcast and talk about and here this. I am. And here you are, right? Um, okay, so I would love to start first how you made this transition from medicine to being an intimate marriage expert. Okay, well, let me start by saying that I really love the Steve Jobs quote that you can only connect the dots in hindsight because there's a way in which practicing medicine, being a physician, focusing on healing and wellness for patients' bodies, it's not really that far 
in the world of creativity, vision, and service to pivot to focusing on people's relationships. There's still some amount that relates to the body, but much more about communication and the heart. Sure, in terms of business models and a particular standing in the world and things, there's a big difference. But in terms of like expressing what's in my heart and using my expertise to serve people, it's not that big a shift. But in the actual shifting, it was massive because what really happened is that I obviously went to college. I went to medical school. I completed my physician training. I had my own small holistic medical practice north of Boston. I had paid off all of my student loans and I also was married. We have four children now, but at the time we had three. And so I'd been working really hard. I was such a a good girl in so many ways. And here I was in my mid thirties, expecting to feel queen of the mountain in my own life. I don't mean in terms of hierarchy over others, but like I had worked so hard. I thought, okay, now I get to feel gratified and enjoy living the rest of my life this way. But that is not actually how I felt. I felt a little bit hollow inside and not really satisfied. And the other thing is that I prioritize my patients over my family and my family over myself. And this was not a time management issue. Like I was doing so much. I tried a lot of different things. So I think, you know, if I had been 58, when I had had this awareness, I would have just finished my career as a physician. But because I was in my mid thirties, I just couldn't see another three or four decades in this context. And so what I did was I took a sabbatical. In my heart, I knew I probably wouldn't return to practicing medicine. And I told my husband, but for everybody else, I took a sabbatical. And in my sabbatical, I gave myself permission to do things for no reason other than that I wanted to. So I would sit by the river and just watch it flow. I took a painting class. I took a dancing class. Like I still had three kids and a husband and a house and so forth. So it wasn't like I was a woman of leisure, but I carved out time that had no purpose other than to feel good to me or however I was going to feel. I wasn't actually attached to feeling good. I was more attached to just feeling. Mm. And from there, I went to the School of Womanly Arts with Mama Gina. I did a spiritual training. I just, I opened up to things that I just had never had time or really interest to pursue. And one thing led to another such that for my own purposes and for my own marriage, I did an extremely in-depth training in sensuality and sexuality. And it doubled as a coach training. So there were lay people taking it and people training to be certified and become coaches. But I had no interest in that and didn't even really know what a coach was at the time. I took my MD seriously. I took licensed professionalism seriously. But once I was there, I was just curious. And so I thought, okay, let me go to the teaching lab so I can also just get more out of the regular classes because I know what they're aiming for in the teaching lab. And in the teaching lab, for those who wanted to become coaches, I came home. Like I just Mm. felt, oh, this is actually what I was built to do. 
So it's a little bit of a long story, but that's because in hindsight, it completely makes sense. And I draw on being a physician, even though I don't practice medicine anymore and all the pieces line up. But while going through it, it mostly felt confusing and exciting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We can all relate to that story so much, so much. I'm so glad you took the time to tell us that. Um, so many of the people listening to the show were at the point where you were in your mid thirties of I've been this good girl. Why do I not feel the way I want to feel? Right. Oh, that's so beautiful. Okay. So since and let then, me just say yeah. that if you had asked me before this experience, I wouldn't have been able to say I'm doing all this because I want to feel a certain way. And I wouldn't have been able to say how I felt or how I wanted to feel like all of that comes from having really dived in and honored what was happening, but I didn't have any of the words or any inclination where this was headed. And yeah. my point in emphasizing it is that is not required. Yeah. From what I hear and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was just like, I don't know where I want to go and how I want to feel, but I know it's not this. Yes. But maybe the reason I'm emphasizing this, this a little bit is because I thought I should feel good with where I was. Like I had worked really hard and I was proud of what my life was. And I thought I should be happy. And probably the first thing was, I wondered if there was something wrong with me. It took a lot of courage to wonder if there was something wrong with my professional context. Mm, yeah. Again, we can still relate to that for sure. Okay. So then you step into coaching. Yes. And walk us through that journey of what that's been like. Okay. Well, it's actually very funny to think back on this now because I started coaching and for me, it was a playground and I, I coached all kinds of different people. I deepened my skills. I, my main, my main goal was to become masterful and to grow and learn in the process. And the training that I did, basically all of the other students were, well, they were mostly young, super hip in ethical non-monogamous relationships, if in a relationship, very like cutting edge in San Francisco. There were a few older people who were divorced, but there was absolutely nobody who was in this very edgy, wonderful training who were, there was no one else who was then driving home to the suburbs to make sure lunches were packed and that my kids had done their homework and, you know, kissing my husband as he went off to work for the day. He's, he's still a practicing physician. And so I just didn't share my home world with them because I felt they couldn't relate. I also probably thought they would judge it, but one after another, my classmates, there are 150 people in the training, my classmates and then their friends whom they referred and other people sought me out for relationship coaching. The first couple I ever coached, they asked if I could coach them together. So it's this mysterious thing that when you're aligned, when you're 
courageous enough to do the thing you're meant to do, which might be what you're doing right now, or it might be something very different, which was the case for me. I'm going to talk about this as poetry. This is not scientific, but it's almost like we, we send out these uh, bat signals and people find us. So there's, there's a lot about the beginning of my coaching journey, which was less about my clear vision and my logical scientific approach to life and way more about just saying yes and being responsive to people when they asked for my help. And so I grew a tremendous amount because I didn't control, I didn't curate my clientele. I certainly never declared a niche or a focus early on. I just was a yes to other human beings. And then I did that for a number of years. I didn't need to support myself because we were living off of my husband's income and that was still the case. So I, I feel very grateful that I didn't feel financial pressure. I could really follow my heart and then started earning money. At, at first, my goal was just to earn enough to pay for kids' college tuitions, which is a lot, but still it, it wasn't six figures. I just, that was my goal was to be able to do that. And then in 2017, after I'd been coaching for four years, I went to this weekend training. And one of the main things I got out of it was this question, do you want to treat your business like a hobby or like a business? And even though I was completely passionate about coaching and personal transformation and enhanced juicy relationships for my clients and for myself, I was treating it like a hobby. So if I really oversimplify, I would say that the beginning years as a coach, I focused on my craft and I became masterful because I sometimes recorded and watched my sessions to see what I would do. Like I just focused on if someone's going to give me their attention and some financial investment, that is a sacred thing on their part. And I want to meet them with everything I can bring so that their relationship to themselves and their relationship to their partner improves. So that really was my singular focus. And through that, I built a business. But then since 2017, I've actually had to stretch much more. It's come a lot less naturally to become the CEO in my business. Yeah, I can so relate to that story too. <laughs> you and I have kind of talked about this of like, at first, it's really just like, like you said, being a masterful coach and taking that that sacred energy of someone, investing time, money, energy into you, and then making that shift as CEO. So thank you for telling us all of that. I think so many of yeah, us can relate I, to that. I want to add that when I started, it was fine to just coach as I was called to coach. But then interestingly, part of really becoming a CEO in my business has included trusting myself as a coach in a very different way, because a lot of what I coach, it's my own unique amalgamation of a lot of different trainings I've done, but also my own lived experience being married for 26 years and having a pretty sexy marriage, being overweight, four kids, really busy. And as I say, a pretty sexy marriage, like there are things that I draw on that I didn't learn from someone else. And they are the best things that I have to offer my clients. That also has been part of the CEO shift in 
and just owning that and letting that be the way it really is. Yeah. What I hear in that is thought leadership. In essence. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which so I didn't relate to years ago. At all. <laughs> yeah. I would have felt a little awkward, but now I'm like, yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> so in that thought leadership, you've come up with this, I'll just call it a term starting out uncompromising intimacy. So tell us about that. Okay. So throughout the Western world and maybe throughout the whole world, I just don't know that with certainty. The Number one most common relationship advice that's given in the context of marriage and long-term relationships is that you need to compromise. Compromise is the name of the game. If you want a great relationship, you have to be really good at compromising. And the fact is, that's wrong. If what you want is a bland, pleasant, conflict-free companionship, compromise absolutely will deliver that for you. But if what you want is a growth-oriented, passionate, connected, intimate marriage, then the way to go is uncompromising intimacy. And let me explain that when I talk about being uncompromising, I don't mean that you're exact and controlling and always get your own way, which is implied in the usual use of the word uncompromising. What I really mean is to contrast it with compromise, because when you compromise, you basically put what you perceive will be the comfort of your partner over what is living inside you. Desires, thoughts, feelings, challenges, frustrations. You don't say any of that. You either put it aside so much that you don't even realize what you want, which is a common phenomenon, or you know, but you just don't say it because compromise is the way to go and you want your partner to be more comfortable than you want to have the things you want. Now, when I talk about becoming uncompromising in intimacy, what I'm really talking about is bringing the whole truth of who you are to the relationship and inviting your partner to do the same. So if your family typically gets Italian food, Every Thursday night, you go to the same restaurant and you're really itching for some Vietnamese food. You don't just not say anything because your family loves Italian and that's what you do every week. You say so, you honor yourself and your own experience enough to bring it into your marriage rather than checking it out the door when you go home. And does that mean you all go to Vietnamese next Thursday? No, of course not. But if you, without blame, resentment, or frustration, just with kindness, share what you want, and you make room for your partner to do the same, the two of you will come up with some incredible creative solutions that are win-win situations, not necessarily every single time that you get exactly what you want, but it's a completely different experience to decide together, to feel seen and known, to have your partner realize as you're eating your linguine that what you really want, I don't actually know Vietnamese food well enough to give an example, but you get the idea. <laughs> Maybe you get takeout and you go to a park and have dinner there and it's a fabulous adventure for your family. There's so many amazing ways of doing things that you just don't ever have access to if you routinely don't share important aspects of yourself and anything that you desire is an important aspect of yourself. So it's kind of gruesome what I'm about to say as an analogy, but 
I really think of compromise in the context of long-term relationship as like voluntarily getting an amputation and then you just function without that limb. But that limb is some of the most tender, juicy, expansive parts of yourself. And can you manage? Sure, most people do. Do you get to have ongoing passion, gratification, deep connection, emotional intimacy that really grows with each year and each decade so that you feel closer together and your erotic experiences are better 30 years in than they were three years in. The way to create that is with uncompromising intimacy. Yeah. So what I hear in that is speaking your desires, right? Yes. First of all, knowing your desires. Second of Mm -hmm. all, speaking them. And I feel it would be irresponsible to just leave it at that because it's speaking them not in the sense that you expect your partner to fulfill them, not in the sense that you imply your partner should have already known them, not in the sense that your partner somehow inadequate because if they weren't, you wouldn't have this desire, whether it's sensual, sexual, financial, what kind of house you want to live in, anything, or, or, or where you keep the forks in the silverware drawer, like whatever it is, Your desire is yours and is not a reflection of any failure on the part of your partner. And just talking about this theoretically, that seems very obvious. But in practice, actually, the thing to say is that for women, it is so much easier to speak our complaints than to speak our desires. And so if you actually find it easier to feel and express your complaints, no problem. You could even write them down and look for the desire, which is masquerading and camouflaging within that complaint. So for example, if the complaint is, I wish my husband would clean up the kitchen after dinner. It's just so annoying that he never does that. I cook, why can't he just clean up? The desire might be, I would love to be honored and have you clean up the kitchen after dinner. It would feel amazing for me. You say something like that, you're in a heteronormative relationship. You say something like that, the likelihood that the dishes are going to be done consistently is way beyond if you just go in with complaint and righteousness and resentment. Mm, For sure. I learned this the hard way. Well, we all do a number of years. (laughs) Yeah. And I want to go back to what you said earlier of it's not always our partners or lovers, whoever, anybody else's job to fulfill our desires or our needs. Right. Actually, I was just talking to one of my clients earlier this week and she said, Lindsay, I don't really believe in love languages anymore. And I was like, well, tell me more. What do you mean? She's like, because I just, I don't feel like I need that stuff from other people. I give myself all of those things. And if other people give it to me, it's just like the icing on the cake. I was like, yeah, that's so true, right? And that's how I feel like a big complaint I used to have with my husband is, I want you to date me. I want you to date me. Oh, why don't you date me, date me, date me, date me. And I just got to a point where I was like, I just date myself. And then, you know, I speak the desire now of like, oh, I would love it if we went to dinner or we did this or did that, right? And then he gets so excited to do that. So it's like, again, he's the cherry on top to that. Yes, although like, I I don't know my poker language well enough or whatever card game it would be, but like, I wanna 
match you and then add to that. Okay, go for it. Because due to familial legacies and societal conditioning and all the things, typically couple relationships begin with some amount of codependency, meaning you prioritize your partner's experience and then contort to make yourself work for your partner's experience. You're tracking how your partner feels and you're expecting your partner to determine how you feel. So that's not going to lead to a healthy, vibrant, gratifying, passionate relationship, obviously. Now to untangle from codependency, there is a phase of independence, which is what I think you were describing, your client describing. And that is necessary and beautiful. And while we want to untangle from codependence, we never want to untangle from the harvest of independence, the ability to create our own reality, which we all have, but to really live with that. But to make a really delicious, juicy relationship, we then build on independence to create interdependence because the natural logical question for a powerful woman who is creating all of that for herself in the way that you just described is like, well, what do I need a partner for? And that is a good question to ask so that it's not a compulsion to be in a relationship. It's not just because that's what everyone else was doing. It's not just because that was accept, expected of you. Like that is a very good question to ask. But if you conclude there's no reason I can do it all myself, as long as I'm making enough money, then I can provide whatever I need for myself. Then that is, that's when it's time. I mean, some people might choose that. It's why I'm saying build on a foundation of independence. And there's a lot of good life to be lived as an independent person. But if what you want is an intimate, juicy marriage, then the transition from independence to interdependence is your invitation to accept. Mm, I totally agree. I feel like I'm just stepping into that interdependence <laughs> these past well, few months. Well, it really can yeah. only come after true independence. Mm -hmm. You cannot go from codependence to interdependence or you just end up with a new flavor of codependence. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So glad you touched on that. So good. Okay. So I wanted to touch on one last thing. Yes. I know the big thing that you talk about, and it's actually something that's become a mantra of mine, Alexandra, is this hot and aligned marriage or aligned and hot. Which one do you use? Aligned and hot? Yes. It's so interesting that you asked that uh -huh. question. It's the aligned and hot marriage program. And Last night, I recorded a podcast episode. My podcast is the Intimate Marriage Podcast. And I recorded an episode with my husband in which we reflected on some of the content that I'd been discussing in my podcast. I, I went through the six keys to an intimate marriage. And in the context of our discussion, I was saying, yes, it's definitely aligned and hot marriage because the alignment comes first, even if the heat in the relationship is right behind, it's like the tail of the same creature. It's the alignment with yourself and one another that comes first and really creates the content, context 
for the erotic energy to flow in a way that expands with time rather than just tapering off. Mm. Again, I love that you said that because where I, my goal is taking my clients is into alignment, right? Mm. As individuals. Yes. And then, you know, we've talked about this and we'll share it here is my mastermind, the living the dream. You're going to be one of our guest teachers next year, right? Yes. And I just love the name of your mastermind. I mean, who like, that's just irresistible living the dream. Yes. Yeah. So you're going to come in and you're going to help us take that alignment and bring it to a marriage or a relationship and make it hot too. So can you just kind of touch on what someone can do who is starting to get into alignment, who wants to take it to the next step? Yes, I definitely will. And actually, I really enjoy you asking me this question in just the way that you set it up, mm -hmm. because I'm going to go through the six keys to an intimate marriage, which are the foundation for alignment in a relationship. But every single one of them includes alignment with oneself. So I'm guessing that the clients in your mastermind mm. are going to be particularly ripe to move forward and integrate what I share about relationship. But the six keys to really being aligned in relationship are cultivate curiosity, embrace honesty, be kind, choose happiness, take responsibility and seek growth. Now, every one of those words is very familiar in English vocabulary. Maybe cultivate doesn't make the fourth grade, fifth grade reading list, but all the rest would be on there. But there is actually a sequential logical technology that I've developed for how to really implement these in your relationship. It's not just some like, oh, you know, ask some questions. No, cultivating curiosity is a profound expression of alignment with yourself that then opens you to be aligned with your partner. And when I talked earlier about uncompromising intimacy, one of the real keys to being able to be uncompromising is to learn how to be kind with your partner. That is the key. I, I've just been shocked to discover I can literally say anything to my husband. As long as I do it with kindness, it leads to a very productive, connected conversation. Mm. So yes, there's an internal pivot, but I would say it's more of an expansion or almost an application of what the clients in your mastermind will already be marinating in and living by and then i'll be thrilled to show them how to really bring that to their relationship because it's very common that individuals do personal growth but then they don't pivot so it works as well in the interactions with their partner mm. and it just takes a little bit of a workshop in your mastermind to learn how to really bring those, those ways of being and those skills home and have the relationship benefit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm already like, 
thinking of all the people in there. I'm like, oh, and this person's going to shift this way and this way. It's, oh my gosh, so much fun. I love how you went through those pillars too, because when you mentioned them earlier, I was like, oh, I want to know what those are. <laughs> and they're so simple, yet so complex so inside of them, right? Yeah. Um, you know, for me, they're the kind of thing which they're so simple, which means that anyone can start implementing them today. No equipment needed, just a little bit of attention and intention. However, I've been immersed in this work for years and my skills in each of these areas continues to expand. It, I, I would say it's a bit like playing the violin, okay? You can start when you're three or four and have a recital, but then you can go on to become just exquisite. And I think ideally anyone who's in a committed relationship that's for more than just getting a green card should be working on mastery in the realm of relationship because that is a good portion of your life. Mm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think we, you know, we live in a society that prioritizes like hot and fun and dating in the early stages. And it, it kind of feels like after that, for a long time, I was like, well, where do I go from here? Yes. And oh, I, I could respond <laughs> for an hour straight, which I will honor us both by not doing. But the real issue in our society is that we lack role models and human beings learn through imitation. We are mammals and we learn through imitation. And so, yes, we have our developed frontal cortexes, which are really great for calculus and assessing spreadsheets and even doing comps and choosing which home to buy. But when it comes to how we relate with ourselves and with our partner, that is largely learned through modeling and imitation. And most of us do not have good role models. I mean, if you want to become a billionaire, you know, there are people that you can learn from how to do that. Bill Gates, Elon Musk, if you want to be a basketball player, you know, Magic Johnson, or like there are many areas of life where there is someone that we can learn from. But when it comes to relationships, there are almost no, I used to ask clients when I started working with them, like, who are your role models? Who, who has a relationship that you would love to have a relationship like theirs? And mostly couples had no response. And so I stopped asking the question, but I learned a great deal from that. I've, I've had some clients who bring up Michelle and Barack Obama as an example, but mostly people don't have inspiring examples. And so that really restricts us in, in realizing the potential. However, there are tons of examples around for what it looks like to have a great one night stand or how to connect in like the intensity and the heat of a new relationship, but the qualities needed for ongoing passion and joy and just erotic deliciousness, they're a completely different skill set. And the bottom line is that with a one night stand, you can have an amazing experience and not even know your partner's name. When it comes to living together for decades, building a life together, one of the keys to really great sexual intimacy is vulnerability and being uncompromising, being courageous enough to share what's happening inside you. 
your desire, sure, but also ways that you feel hurt in your life. That's all stuff that we tend to just pave over. And it, when we bring, when we're aligned with ourselves and then we bring the truth of who we are to the relationship, that is when sparks fly in ways people don't anticipate. Yeah. Okay, I have one more question for you. I know I keep saying this, but I know we're going long, but I have to ask it because I know everyone's thinking this, especially my mastermind clients. So Alexandra, they all come to me, we do the work for them, and then they want to bring it to their relationship. And many times their partner doesn't want to, quote, do the work. And they get frustrated and they're like, oh, come on, if you just knew this or you just did this. What would you say to that? I would say you, the clients in your mastermind, mm -hmm. have more work to do. Because when we are really aligned, when we are as expanded, transformed, and evolved as many of us like to think we are, then where our husbands are or our partners, it does not get under our skin. If you want your partner to change, then think about how you can show up more, better, in a way that is more loving, that is more accepting. I want to say that I am continually in awe of the circumstances where I coach just one person in a relationship and the whole relationship improves dramatically. I've had that experience with many women, but I've also had it with men. One in particular, they live in South America and she speaks Spanish and not English. And I speak English and not Spanish. So I can't coach her, but he speaks English and I have coached him. I don't even think she knew that he was doing relationship coaching with me and their whole relationship improved. But that's, I'm just saying that because we tend to think that wouldn't happen with men, but with women, it happens all the time. I actually, I have a podcast episode. I can send it to you to include in the show notes about how to navigate this. Like, I don't really have a quick answer other than if you're getting triggered by your partner's lack of willingness to do the work, that is pointing you to where you have more work to do. And this is a place where cultivate curiosity becomes your guidepost. Hmm. Dishing out the hard truths right there. <laughs> So true. That's me being uncompromising in my own way. I love it. And you're doing it with kindness. I love it so much. All right. Tell us where we can find you and all the things and what you offer. Okay. Well, come find me at theintimatemarriagepodcast.com. You'll be able to listen to my podcast and access my website and all of my social media. And definitely... I'd love for you to follow me on Instagram and join me in my Facebook group, the Intimate Marriage Facebook group. But the way to get to all of that is theintimatemarriagepodcast.com. Perfect. Thank you, Alexandra. And again, we mentioned for my Living the Dream Mastermind clients, Alexandra will be in there next year. We're going to do two different workshops. One on, what do we title it? One on love, one on sex? Well, the way we just, we didn't really title it. The way we discussed it is one on relationships. And I took that to mean communication in relationships and then one on sex and sensuality, which as we discussed earlier, it's really one on alignment and one on hot. Yes. So excited. So excited. And 
Um, if you're kind of sitting here like, what's this mastermind? It's for any of my people who go through my Awakened Woman coaching process, either one-on-one or in group, and then they can go into the mastermind. So we're excited to have you next year, Alexandra. And thank you for all your wisdom today. And everyone go listen to her podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to continuing the conversation with the mastermind ladies. Thanks for tuning into the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast. If you haven't left a review for the show yet, what are you waiting for? Your reviews give us the feedback and momentum we need to continue to produce this incredible free content for you. Plus, when you leave a review for the show, you get a copy of my book for free. Simply take a picture of your review and submit it to Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, epreston.com forward slash one zero zero and you'll receive a digital copy of my wisdom from the first hundred episodes book this book is a study guide for life enjoy and of course share this show with your friends i believe every woman can create a deeply fulfilling life that lights them the fuck up from the inside the more you help others succeed the more you help yourself so share share, share this show. And I'll see you soon and your friends back on the show next week for another eye-opening episode. Until then, keep rocking it.